You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about book blurbs and interviewing publicist at Norton, Will Scarlett. But first... What are you reading, Bria? I just finished this book called The Manson Women and Me, Monsters, Morality, and Murder by um, Nikki Meredith. Have you heard of this book? It just came out, like, last yeah, month. Yeah, but I haven't read it yet. So Nikki Meredith is a journalist, and she is um, of similar age as the two Manson women who are left in prison, which is Leslie Van Houten and uh, Patricia Krenwinkel, I think is how you say her name. And she also went to Hollywood High, which is where one of the women who recruited those two women to the Manson group went so she has this, like, weird relationship with them because she feels like, I think, she never says this in the book, but she kind of feels like they could easily be her. You know, like, she, they just, like, had this this different path, obviously. <laughs> it's a very different path. And um, also her brother was in the, uh, the, in the prison system for a long time, so she talks about that. So essentially she talks about how people really don't like the Manson women like, for obvious reasons. I was just going to say. And, people, uh, and when people... They didn't try real hard to be likable. Yeah, and then she, when she tells people she's writing... And they've never been allowed out of prison, and but they've, they appeal all the time trying to get out of prison. And she, when she tells people she's writing this book, people are like, why would you write about them? Those are horrible people. Like, why would you not choose to write about someone better? And so the whole book is sort of about her looking into the psychology of them, but also sort of like dealing with these morality issues and... Essentially, the criminal justice system, because it's like we put these people away. These women did this thing when they were 19. There's a lot of people in prison who did things when they were very young and made really poor decisions. And then they we try to rehabilitate them. But like now at this point, we're not really, really rehabilitating people anymore. We've taken out a lot of those programs from prison, from prison systems, like uh, training people for jobs and stuff. Anyway, it's it's like it's it's an interesting book. It's like a, sort of about her life and like how she relates to these women in this weird way, but also how she finds them very obviously very different than her. Um, it's interesting if you're interested in the Manson murders at all, which I got interested because I listened to this podcast about it um, called You Must Remember This. They did an entire season about the Manson murders. Um, and I got I just like got fascinated with it. It made me pick up this book. And it's pretty fantastic. It's really it's well, really well written, really interesting memoir slash psychological evaluation of these women crazy Mm -hmm. anyway what are you reading Mally? uh i'm reading the pisces by melissa broder and Uh this is one of those new releases that i like dropped everything to read uh it's kind of like an la version of shape of water (laughs) okay so it's about this girl and someone have sex with a fish hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) um it's about this girl, and she uh, lives in. She's a librarian, the, uh, like PhD student in Arizona, but she has this terrible breakup, and goes to sort of like heal from it um, by she moves to her. She goes to stay at her sister's house in Venice Beach to dog sit for for a while by herself, and she like has all these crazy Tinder adventures and like finds out how like what a nightmare it is to to date in LA. I can already tell that Sean, Sean is, over your shoulder is just laughing. Yeah. Uh, and one day she sees a very exceptional swimmer yeah. at the beach and starts this a relationship up with this merman. <laughs> and this book is so good. Oh. I love her. Right, I you do love a mer mer person. I do. Uh, I love. I love her. I wrote, I, I read, she's the author of So Sad Today. Oh, 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 okay. I'm, I'm adding this literally to my book list right now. It sounds so it's good. It's so funny. 
And she's such a hilarious writer, but the writing is so good. I just love it so, so much. It sounds awesome. It's oh, so good. Sean, what are you reading? Come on. Come on over here. Tell us. Oh, no. <laughs> Tell us what you're reading. I'm reading The Australian Ugliness by Robin Boyd. Yeah, John told me he walked into the, your, your house and you were just reading Australian Ugliness. <laughs> what is it? Tell us what it is. Uh, it's, a, um, it's a book about... Uh, it's from the 60s. Robin Boyd is like a uh, probably one of the most famous Australian architects. It's about Australian architecture and uh, the design of cities and how it how it's all gone wrong. Really ugly. Yeah. Currently ugly, or it started getting ugly in the 60s. Uh, I mean, it goes it goes back to buff, you know Federation. They're talking about he's got this big thing with featurism, which is architecture. Based around like you're saying futurism, futurism, futurism. I don't know. So just, I think he coined the term. Anyway, it's it's about uh, kind of dissecting that we get obsessed with little features, like oh yes, not not something that is aesthetically uh, pleasing as a whole. It's just got little things stuck on it. Got it. Got it. Oh, interesting. Okay, that is very interesting. That's very Australian ugliness by who? Robin Boyd. Oh, Australia. we should say what, what ours so are So I'm reading The Pisces by Melissa Broder. And Sean, re- Sean is reading Australian, Ugl- Australian Ugliness by Robin Boyd. And I'm reading, the uh, I just finished The Manson Women and Me by Nikki Meredith. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Holland writes in, when reading The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, I found the book section to be the most difficult. To help with parting with books from the TBR list, I check the local library's catalog to verify that it's available for later reading. Often they will have several copies and no hold list. At that point, I let the book go, either by selling it or donating it to the library. If the book is not easy to borrow, it remains on the shelf. That's a good rule. It is. Do you know, I just listened to an interview with someone who's doing that thing where they don't buy anything for a year. Someone did this, like, and wrote a New York Times article or New Yorker, something article about it um and uh apparently the one thing they do allow you to buy she did buy when she did this thing was books oh i mean that's basically my life i don't really spend any money on anything else i know isn't that weird so that's the so but i thought that was like an interesting exception from the the no buy list Philip writes in and says, I'm a high school math teacher and I don't have that much time to read these days like I used to, but when I do, I usually end up with an audiobook. I listen at 1.5 times the speed, like one and a half speed, or faster and don't feel like I miss anything and it helps me read faster since I, I feel like I can comprehend speech faster than I can physically read. I also listen to podcasts 1.7 times feet faster and I'm no trouble comprehending what is being said even when it is the two of you and I'm grading my students' algebra homework. <laughs> I was just gonna say we must sound like like we just sound like little mice, like going like, yeah. like is that a mouse in your pocket or is it just Mallory and Bria <laughs> doing their podcast on one point seven five seven C? I actually do this at, uh, with audiobooks. Like if you I have do? a bunch of audiobooks that I'm trying to get through in a couple of weeks, uh, I will listen to it at one point five. And Alan, like I'm like in the shower listening to my audiobook, and Alan like pokes his head in, and he's like, "What is going on in here? I can't understand like, anything." I guess that's cool. I would think for like if I was listening to a podcast like Lore or something like that, kind of like there's a Atmos- atmosphere. Yeah, that, like if you listen. To 1.5 it would be so weird <laughs> but i could see for like a podcast where it's like information yeah or just two girls gabbing about yeah. books yeah <laughs> yeah uh dana writes in with their wheelhouse uh so it's story set in high school or college love it homoerotic tension yes road trip stories that feature places i've been to or to other real landmarks in the usa um they were related <sighs> the whole time a la american gods <laughs> or stardust not in an incesty way oh i see um, a main character that is a pianist, 
love triangles that end unconventionally, Lemony Snicket style fourth wall breaking, different chapters told from different characters, sci-fi that feels like and sci-fi that feels like reality has just been altered a little bit, similar to Black Mirror. This is um, amazing. So when we, we talked about wheelhouses really early, like 20, 30 episodes ago, but you're always welcome to send us your wheelhouses because we really like them. I love that Dan- Dana is very specific, but I do love the mixture of like a homoerotic tension and then just like places that this person has been. It's great. It's a good combo. <laughs> Which I do also like to read a book that's like, oh, I was there one time. I was in the desert. You oh, know, yeah. like I know that sounds weird, but I like it makes you relate to no, the book I do, a like, bit. I, I like books. Whenever I move to a, a city, I like get comfortable in that city by reading books that take place there so when i moved to la a couple years ago i read a bunch of la books and now i'm like i get i was excited when i was reading the pisces because she's like talking about how she's walking down abbott kinney boulevard and i'm like i've been there i've had expensive coffee on that street (laughs) i know what that's like so you can always email your wheelhouses uh to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com and don't forget, we're having our 50th episode soon, but it's not too late. You can still send us your questions. We want to hear them. Put uh, 50th episode questions in the subject line. You can ask us about books we've liked. You can ask for recommendations. You can ask us where we grew up. I don't know what's interesting. Yeah, whatever. What, I what our relationship with our pets is like. I'm not sure. You want to like just hear us talking about our cats for a half an hour, which I'm totally cool with. This Mallory's totally into that idea. It'll take me longer than it'll take Bria. <laughs> yeah. And so you can email us at Reading Glasses Podcast at gmail.com god i just had this like vision of you doing that and it was you like you know you're like okay first of all this cat second of all this cat <laughs> pegging them all all their weird quirks we're like time's up now it's time we're done with the show and, and that's it uh, uh, also we have a book club episode to announce yes uh, so we're got at, on june 7th we are doing a live like with video feed and you guys can participate in it uh book club um Thanks to you guys, we had this incredible showing on the Max Fun Fun Drive, um, and we got you know way over five hundred members that were signing up for reading glasses, which is amazing. Thank you so much. So to celebrate, we're reading um, Circe by Madeline Miller. Yeah. So you guys can re- get it now. You have like a little over a month to read it. Uh, I don't know how much time you'll have when this episode goes out, but and we're gonna Not so much. <laughs> ta- you can read it and then talk about it with us, with me and Bria, and watch us in person. It's going to be thrilling. We have so many, we'll have so many opinions. Yeah. And you can see the cats. It's probably going to be, I think it's, we're doing it at my place. So sure. You can, why not? I can just hold them up. It's true. You hold up the this cats. Cats can all join. This is Logan. <laughs> so please join us for that book club and, um, and check out that book. We're all excited to read it. Yes. Before we discuss book blurbs, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is supported in part by StoryWorth. StoryWorth makes it easy and fun for your loved ones to share their stories with weekly email story prompts. Uh, Here's how it works. First, you purchase a subscription for someone that you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends them an email with questions about their life. And then they simply reply to this email with their story, or they can record it over the phone. And after a year, their stories will be bound into a beautiful keepsake book. It's a really great gift for Mother's Day. Even last minute, you can do it, and that will that will appear right in their email box. I bought this for my mother. She loves it. She bought it for her whole family. I'm not joking. So now, and they all do the same questions. It's super cute. So her and, bo- and her three siblings all answer the questions, and then at some point, she will have four books of all of their questions. That's so cute. About their childhood. Yeah, it's super cool. So I would totally recommend this. And then I get a weekly email with her answers to the questions about 
her childhood and her life. And it's really interesting to read because it's questions that, like, you may not think to ask. Like, what's one of your greatest memories? Like, what was your father like as a child? Where like, are all, all these those things. bodies buried? Exactly. <laughs> it's a super fun gift. I would totally recommend it to anyone who is looking for a gift for Mother's Day. So for $20 off, you can visit storyworth.com slash reading glasses when you subscribe. Hey, you with the headphones. Just between you and me, the Max Fun store just got some of that sweet, sweet new merchant stock. You know, that merch from your favorite Max Fun shows? Could be posters, tote bags, shirts, stickers, patches, aprons. We got it all. Well, we got a lot. Point is, there's some new stuff. Go to maxfunstore.com. This week, it's all about book blurbs. What the fuck is a book blurb? So, you know when you pick up a book and, or, and see the cover advertised somewhere and on the front, you see a quote from a famous author saying, like, man, this book is awesome. That's a book blurb. It's basically a quote from a short piece of writing from a creator or a publication that promotes a piece of work. It could be from Stephen King, from the New York Times, from a book review site like Book Riot. It might go on the book cover or just on promotional materials for the book. It's a great way to get people to pick up a book and buy it. Mallory, do you know... What book had the first book blurb? The Bible. No. I'm, um, I'm going to guess. Uh, 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 it's not as old as you think it's going to be. Well, pretty, uh, old. pretty old. The Old Man in the Sea. No, no, no. No, no. <laughs> That's a good one, though. That's a good book. You know what's really funny? I bought Alan, uh, my partner, an Old Man in the Sea out-of-print T-shirt because oh. he likes that book a lot. And I call it his his like dude cruise shirt because every single time he wears it out in public some man comes up to him and is like oh my god I love your shirt oh that's so funny <laughs> it's uncanny it's like old Hemingway fans come out of the woodwork and I, I'm like you're getting hit on more than I do I will say when I wear um, you bought me that Benicula shirt and I, I, I whenever I wear that people come out of the woodwork and they're like Benicula like <laughs> it's such a thrill <laughs> um, okay the, the answer to the first book blurb is um, in the United States um, people think, now this is maybe not true, but this is what people have traced it back to, is uh, Walt Whitman's collection, Leaves of Grass. Wow. Um, in response to the publication of the first edition in 1855, Ralph Waldo Emerson sent Whitman a congratulatory letter, including the phrase, I greet you at the beginning of a great career. And then the following year, Whitman had these words stamped in gold leaf on the spine of the second edition. Damn. I don't know. But from that, it seems like maybe he didn't ask. I don't know. He just was like, now I'm going to stamp I these hope, words. I, I, yeah, I hope he asked. That's a little presumptuous. Um. Also, some people, like, for example, George Orwell, they don't like book blurbs. And George Orwell said in 1936 that he thought book blurbs were to blame for the decline of the modern novel. Really has declined since 1936. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it, Orwell. Oh, Orwell, you were wrong. You were wrong. <laughs> it's been fine. The novel's fine. Society declined. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Orwell would have a lot to say about our current presidential administration, but the novel is going strong. <laughs> so contrary to what some people on the internet might think, you can't buy blurbs. Authors don't take money for blurbs, and neither do publications. Authors get sent books to blurb from their own publisher, from other publishers, author friends, random cold call authors. It's always at their discretion. They might offer without being asked if they love the book, but they never have to, and they're not paid to do it. So, Bria, do you pay attention to book blurbs? I do. When I look at them, I'm mostly looking for pop plot points, you know, like... Space. Ladies yeah. on journeys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Snacks. Dogs. <laughs> this is a dog in space. Like, I'm buying it. Um... 
but I also, if it's from a particular author, like if it's someone I'm like, that's a cool person, which I guess doesn't say too much about the book because you could just be friends with that person. But I do think the book is cooler if like you had Neil Gaiman on the cover, you know, even, I don't know, maybe it's like his childhood friend who was like, please write me a book blurb. But I do think that like, I feel like, I I feel like I trust the book a bit more when an, an a famous author, like, vouches for it, which I don't yeah. know if that should be true or not. But, yeah, I do read them, and it does affect the way I feel. How about you? Oh, I definitely do. But I am, uh, more than anything, uh, blurbs from authors can tell me what kind of book it is. Uh, I'm always on the lookout for scary and weird books. So a blurb from authors like Stephen King, Kelly Link, Jeff Vandermeer, Lauren Bucus will definitely get me to pick up a book. Oh, right, because, like, you wouldn't, if you're writing a scary book, you wouldn't ask, like... Uh, Oprah to write you a book no. blurb. Although I'm sure you, Oprah, anybody. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't, no one, I don't think anyone is ever going to turn down an Oprah blurb, Oprah blurb. Okay, you wouldn't ask like Daniel Steele to write no, you a book blurb no, if you're no, writing no. a scary book. Yeah, so it has to be like on, it has to be on brand for the book. Yeah. Um. So, and when editors are trying to get book blurbs um, for their the manuscripts they're working on, that, that's something that they pay attention to. I had that co- same conversation with my editor recently about who we want to blurb it, and I was like, Stephen King, and he was like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's busy. He's, he's, busy, he's busy writing now, right? 15 billion other book blurbs. <laughs> uh, but, I like that you went and you just went for it, though. Oh, yeah, you just go for it. Um, so, But I don't I don't really read blurbs from publications, though, because um, I, I, I don't really read book reviews. Um, I have absolutely bought books Books based on a combination of it looking interesting and having a blurb from an author I like it like a book is bl- Kelly Link is one of my favorite authors and if she blurbs it I will probably buy it I've bought a lot of I've bought wow I feel I've, like bought is a word because I use it sometimes too <laughs> bought bought I mean I guess it's just bought or I, I've purchased mm-hmm. many a book based solely on the fact that Kelly Link said it was great well all right Kelly so, Link selling books she should get a percentage she's great uh Brie are there words that will get you to pick up a book I think just like she's- Space, 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 apocalypse, dogs, uh, dystopia, uh, strong women, strong, strong female lead. Yeah. Uh, th- those things will definitely make me I, make me pick up um, a book. What about you? Are there are there words that make you pick up yeah. a book? I mean, any it's like before anything, uh, anything, any synonym of weird or scary is like creepy, frightening, strange, surreal, disturbing. If those words are in a blurb, I'm gonna l- at least pick the book up and check it out, even if I don't know who the author is that's saying them. Like, this book kept me up at night. This book made me cry blood tears. This book scared the ever-loving shit out of me. Like, I am in for that, no matter who says it. See, I'm not as interested in these phrases, because I feel like when they're like, this is an amazing book, I'm like, well, you never say, this book is okay, maybe read it if you want to. Like, <laughs> I like I feel like the, these opinions, like, I know you're going to say it's great, like, but you could tell me books it's like, I like that, or, or just, like, facts. I want, like, the facts on the book blurb. Like, this is a book... Set in a post-apocalyptic world where something, this thing is happening. Like, that's what I more am interested in. Because I know you think it's amazing or else you wouldn't put the blurb on it. You wouldn't be like, this is a mediocre book set in a not fascinating world. Like, like that this would not book be book is it. fine. <laughs> fine, raves Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> Acceptable. <laughs> no, I'm mediocre at best. Oh, well, I just, I'm more, I'm always on the hunt for something that's going to scare the crap out of me. So, so you're, that's, if it's like specifically adjectives that have to do with scary and like how bad it scares you. Yeah. And how weird it is. Like if, like, I, like I'm the <laughs> same way. Cause, weird it is. Cause I know people are like, like, every, like everyone's like, oh, this book is amazing. Yeah. Like I'm not paying attention to that. But if somebody's like, 
this book freaked me out. Right. This is the, the most fucked up weird shit you've ever oh, yeah, read. I You're am, like into it. I'm like, hand it take, over. Take my money. <laughs> I'm totally, because I'm always looking for something that's super weird. <laughs> I love that. So anything that says that, like the Pisces, this book I'm reading now has some really funny quotes. And um, Megan Anram, who is a really, fun, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, she's a great writer and a funny lady on the internet. She's like, these are some of the most real and relatable mermaid sex scenes that I've ever read that's in any book. Good. Oh, I funny like, quotes are good. That's I was a good like, idea. I have to buy this. This is fantastic. That's really good. I like a funny blurb. That's a great idea. Because especially if the book is kind of tongue-in-cheek or kind of funny. Yeah. I Or if you, like, literally if on the back it said, like, this book made me shit my pants, I'd be like, that's, I'm buying this book. Yeah. Like, like, I think the problem with blurbs a lot of times. I like that we both want to crap ourselves <laughs> over books, but for different reasons. We're in for the crapping. We're, <laughs> we're here for crapping. <laughs> if this book makes you crap in any way. I want to buy it. That's truly the reading experience that we're looking for. Okay, we have to come back in after laughing so okay. hard that we have to like we have to pause the podcast, come back, circle back. Anyway, oh now you know how to get Mallory and I to read a book. Well, I'm just remembering that story that I told you about someone pooping their pants, and you remember that? I don't. What is it? With the... Oh, I do remember this. I don't like that story. I don't like it. I generally don't like poop your pants stories. Don't come. Don't offer me one. Yeah, but if you know what, makes neither, you I've never actually pooped my pants, so. I me neither, but I don't and I don't like stories about it. I don't enjoy it. We are it. looking for the experience. <laughs> We're so, looking for it if it involves scares. So you could send your thoughts on book blurbs and pants pooping to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Um, before we interview Will Scarlett over at Norton, we're gonna take a quick break. Reading Glasses is supported in part by Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. They offer affordable prices because Casper cuts out the middleman and sells directly to the consumer. Casper brand mattresses combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. Hey, did you know I just slept on a Casper mattress? How was it? It was wonderful. I was visiting a friend in Brighton. She didn't have a mattress, so she ordered one off the internet from Casper, and it was amazing. I loved it. It was a very comfortable four or five nights sleep, however long I was there. I don't remember. Not bad. Mm-hmm. It was so wonderful, I don't even remember. Because <laughs> you were sleeping. I was sleeping. <laughs> Get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash glasses using promo code glasses at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Allegra Ringo. And I'm Renee Colbert. And we host a podcast called Can I Pet Your Dog? Renee, can I tell you about a dog I met this week? I wish that you would. In turn, though, can I tell you about a dog hero? May I tell you about a dog breed in a segment I like to call Mutt Minute? (laughs) I would love that. Could we maybe talk about some dog tech? Could we have some cool guests on, like Lin-Manuel Miranda, Nicole Byer, and Ann Wheaton? I mean... Yeah, absolutely. I'm in. You're on board. What do you say we uh, we do all of this and put it into a podcast? Yeah, okay. You think? All right. Uh, should we call it like I don't know? Can I pet your dog? Sure. All right. Uh, what do you What do you say we put it on every Tuesday on Maximum Fun or on iTunes? Sounds the- good to me. <laughs> Meeting's over.
so here we are with Will Scarlett, publicist at uh, the publisher W.W. Norton. Will, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Will, what are you reading right now? Uh, so I will I will have to recommend a Norton book first off, but that's just because it's kind of one of those once-in-a-lifetime books that comes along that the house publishes. And, you know, I think everybody falls for it. It's called The Overstory by Richard Powers, and it just came out. Um, it's a literary fiction novel about, you know, humans' relationship with trees and kind of the power trees hold in our lives. And um, it's ripe with metaphor and social commentary. Um, and I just think it's everyone's going to kind of connect with the book in some way, um, regardless of kind of where you live around the country. It's got uh, it, it, it's got many narratives that kind of circle around several families and, and characters that all have uh, been impacted by trees in some way. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. So so that's my Norton. <laughs> I've done my job. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, the other kind of three on my nightstand at the moment are The Stone Sky, um, the third book in the Broken Earth series um, mm-hmm. by N.K. Uh, Jemison. But I, I think your listeners know about this. I'll just say, again, it's outstanding. You should definitely pick up uh, any of those uh, books um, in the series. Um, and then two others, uh, are true vine by Beth Macy, um, who's a journalist and a writer who actually reviewed one of the books I worked on, um, in New York times. And I just thought her review was incredible that I wanted to pick up some of her backlist. Um, it's a, it's a book about these albino twins, um, in Jim Crow South that are abducted by a traveling, uh, carnival, um, and then the family's kind of quest to find them again. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's very, uh, moving, but disturbing, but fascinating. Um, and then the last is my favorite thing is monsters. Um, okay. We love that. Yeah. Book. Um, which I, I, you know, I'm kind of new to comic, so I'm trying to, and graphic novels. So I'm trying to up my repertoire and, and knowledge in that, um, area. And this was, uh, this is actually by Fanographics, which is, um, distributed by Norton. Uh, so it was on a, a take pile and I said, yeah, that looks great. Yeah. It's awesome. We both really love it. Yeah. Um, there's not really anything like it. I feel like. So you work at Norton as a publicist. First off, can you tell us a little bit uh, about Norton? So WW Norton and company is an independent employee owned publishing company. Um, we were founded in 1923. We, so we publish roughly 450 books across all imprints and division a year. Um, so we have a college department, we have a trade book department, which is where I work, um, and a professional books department. And then we have several imprints, um, And we're actually about to launch a children's and young adult imprint um, uh, soon enough in the near future, which we just announced, um, which excites me, but also kind of scares me. I've never really worked in that field. So that'll be a new experience for sure. So what does a typical uh, workday for you look like? Uh, It's, uh, you know, we we just uh, kind of redid our offices. So we're now, we used to have this very... I would call it old school New York feel of everyone having an office and a door. Um, it's kind of like a casting call, you know, old timey New York building. Um, and we now have an open office plan, which is great. Um, 
it's kind of brought us to the future, I feel like, in some way. Uh, but it's, you know, all the tasks that come with, I guess, an office job. Uh, for a publicist, it's a lot of an obscene amount of emailing. Um, I'm doing a lot of work uh, with the authors themselves in terms of tour planning and media schedules. Um, it is a lot of writing, which I love to do. So that's good. So you got Nor- Norton's coming out with a book. You get the book. How does your team decide on a publicity strategy for it? Um, you know, every book is different. There's um, this kind of a case-by-case analysis and, and a process for how we publicize and market a book. But, um, you know, roughly there's, there's a timeline to that. We get assigned books um, by season. So a lot of houses have three seasons, um, including us, winter, summer, fall, um, when we have a catalog of books or a list of books that are coming out within those kind of four-month range. And uh, we get assigned a book. Um, the publicity marketing team will kind of meet and discuss, you know, what what's the potential audience here? What are the media targets? What's um, our promotional plans? And... Uh, then we'll set that timeline down and kind of um, go about it from there. Um, the first thing to come in, um, which is exciting, uh, to kind of like see it as like the the you know the the process of like this is going to be a book is the um, advanced reading copies and galleys. Um, those are or we call them ARCs. Um, they're kind of the earlier editorial pass of a book, um, either manuscript, first pass, or second that we will use to send out to media, um, sales will use them for their accounts and and other purposes, but these come in around six to eight months ahead of on sale. Um, so we'll, we'll do uh, kind of our longer lead time outreach at that point. Um, you know, media like magazines, uh, some public radio, some um, major newspapers, um, places that need to plan their coverage kind of months ahead. Um, and that, that also involves just kind of communicating and getting the word out about a book and an author. Um, and then there's also kind of, uh, select rounds of, of, um, sending the finished book when it's, when it gets in, which is, uh, depending on the production schedule, like four to six weeks before on sale. So this is a lot of like build up. You, you know, you, you, you talk about a timeline for, um, at least the editorial timeline is much longer. But for me, I'm only really working on a book, you know, maybe a year or so. Um, and an editor can can take, you know, twice or three times um, as long um, working with an author and book. By the end, are you like best friends with <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, that's the hope. There's, I do, I will say the, the publicist job and experience with an author might be, um, it's kind of like either the you're you're both kind of like joyously crossing crossing the finish line like the author's gone through all the hoops and 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 struggles of of the whole entire book process and we get them for the end um but it is it's kind of emotional i think so there's there's also kind of um you know being there for an author to just uh get across kind of their worries and and hopes for the book and try to do the best by that and and work together kind of hand in hand i i I think the process works best when an author and a publicist can kind of work together jointly in all the efforts. Um, It's because, you know, book publicity is very author driven um, nowadays. Yeah, for sure. 
So there's so many ways that to like to get a book out into the world, but you know, most people know things like book tours, but is there, Mm -hmm. what else do you guys do to get a book out into the world? Yeah. I mean, uh, touring less and less these days. Uh, it, it really depends. Like I said, case by case, everything's, um, uh, depends on, on kind of the situation, but, uh, besides touring, we do, um, a lot of kind of, uh, placing of interviews or of ads even, um, there's, there's still a pretty healthy market for, um, book publicity in terms of magazines. Um, so we do a lot of like long reach, long lead, um, outreach to those editors, um, who usually have book roundups, you know, month to month. Um, but there's, there's also kind of, um, you talk about pre-order campaigns too, when, when a book is, um, uh, usually that gets, that link is up on most online retailers about six months or so or more, um, ahead of on sale. And so you, you do a lot to kind of, um, push pre-orders because, um, I think you, you had a great podcast about, you know, the bestseller list and, and what does that matter and how does that come to be? Well, a lot of that is, is, is pre-order driven. So if, um, so, so how is that done? That's, that's a, a lot of the times it's also author driven. Um, it can be uh, a lot of that falls under marketing too, kind of reading, uh, reaching readers through Goodreads, through other book communities that that are fans of similar authors or fans of the author if they've had previous books. Um, so pre-order campaigns are big now um, in getting the word out early. That's crazy. I didn't realize you could pre-order a book six months ahead of time. That's that's like much oh, yeah. longer than I thought you could. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, that, that's all kind of this, this stuff called metadata and that, that feeds out to all the kind of online retailers and, and, and places that, that uh, sell books. There's, it depends on kind of how that feeds and, and when that goes out, but yeah, it can be six months out. Wow. wow. So do you have any uh, books coming out within the next few months that you're wicked excited about? Yes. Um, I'm very excited about this one book uh, that comes out this month in May called The Last Cowboys. Uh, it's by John Branch. It's uh, it's a really amazing, um, heartfelt account of this Utah, this family um, from Utah, who for generations have um, they have this, the, a great plot of land where they're they're cattle ranchers, but you know due to kind of our changing um, economy and and environment factors, you know climate change and all of these kind of struggles that have made it harder and harder to sustain that lifestyle, they've turned to pro rodeo saddle bronc riding. Um, so these, uh, all these boys of the family have become pro rodeo riders that go on the road and compete, um, you know, trying to stay on the horse. Um, so it's, it's really just a great story of um, one family kind of trying to adapt and survive in, in um, the modern um, day and age when it comes to, uh, yeah, when it comes to cattle ranching and, and keeping kind of their their value system together. And John Branch is great. He's also a reporter for the New York Times and a Pulitzer Prize winner. Um, so do you have any reading quirks you'd like to share with us? Yes. So reading tricks and quirks. I've, I'm a, I've become a big subway reader. Um, I commute to work and back on the subway usually. And so, um, you know, just on my smartphone, I'll get a lot of reading done um, every day on those two trips. Um, that's kind of been a new phenomenon, but I think it's, I, I read both. I read across all platforms. I'm like, 
not a um, stickler when it comes to either you know having the physical book or the ebook or regardless. I kind of do it all. Um, and yeah, so so reading on my commute is has been great to get to accomplish kind of either for work or for pleasure. Um, and then I w- will also say I'm a big proponent of giving up on books you don't like or you're not enjoying. Um, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. there's just too too much to read. It's uh, yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of people are 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 stubborn about it and want to finish, and I'm just like, no, this is. There's, there's always going to be another book to read. Yeah, for sure. Amen to that. Yeah. So where can we find you? in if we want to get more information about you and find you online and find Norton online, where do we go? Um, to You should check out Norton's catalog and website. They're at uh, www.norton.com. I'm online mostly on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find me at Will Scarlet with two Ts. Awesome. Will, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you guys. This was fun. Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Zeev writes in, your last episode on spring cleaning struck a real chord. Like so many readers, I too am beset by a tragic shortage of bookshelves. I have a particular wrinkle though, which makes keep your favorites approach a bit of a problem. I adore short stories and my shelves are full of magazines and anthologies. And what happens perfectly often is my favorite things, the stories I love with all my heart and soul, just happen to be bound together with a hundred or so pages of well that was that was fun what's next oh interesting consequence i would absolutely hate to give up my hoard of magazines it's full of gems and treasures and the ones that can be hard or impossible to get again that may never be reprinted but these gems are taking up 10 time, 10 times their space on actual paper i go back to them a lot less than i'd like to because it means hunting down one particular thing in a huge pile of words every time i'd love to somehow reduce my hoard just to the one story in 10 that i'll absolutely want to keep going back to but i have no idea how to make that happen any suggestions so as someone who had to make the very painful decision to no longer save all of my National, Graf- National Geographics. Wow. I, it you was, didn't? It was, I used to save all of them. I had an entire bookcase filled with National Geographics. Oh, wow. And I had to leave them behind, and I was really sad about it. Um, I feel you, Zeev. Uh, what I'm going to suggest is going to be sort of a pain in the ass, um, but I think that you should either scan the stories and save them digitally mm. or photocopy them all and staple them together to make your own sort of anthology and then... Then they're easier to find. You can store all the magazines somewhere more convenient or throw them out. Again, this is a fucking pain in the ass. It's a lot of work. But it gets all those stories you love together unless you get rid of all the magazines if you want. Oh, that's actually, you know, it's an interesting gift idea, too. Like, one holiday season, you could do all of that and then give them, like, your own anthology to people. What a cool be, gift. Be your to be. own anthology editor. Yeah, like literally, that'd be such a cool gift to give to someone where they're like, I've been collecting these for 10 years. These are all my favorite short stories. Here they are in an anthology I made for all of my friends. That's really cool. It's a cool idea. I like that idea. Bria, what should Zeev do? So I, we also have quite a few old magazines in our house. They're mostly old Fangoria's, my fiance. And like how to build your own coffin Yeah, magazines. we do have some weird magazines. But we have a lot of old Fangoria's, which I don't know if you can get anymore, and I don't think we should throw them away. Well, Fangoria's starting up again. I know, but I don't know. Congratulations, like, Fangoria. Yeah, you did it. You, you came back it. as a magazine. A lot of people I know have subscribed. They wrote about it on the internet. Yeah. Are you subscribing? Not yet. Not very happy there. I have a hard enough time getting to my Nat Geos every month. Yeah. I had to put them in the bathroom, which makes me very upset because I don't read them in there. You had to put them in there for storage? That's just the place where magazines go. I see, I see, I see. And I'm very sad about it. (laughs) 
Um, I think the one key with keeping magazines, though, if you're going to keep them for a long time, is put them in plastic, like a comic book. Yeah. Um, I would suggest that because it makes them less likely to bend. And then if you want to return to them again, it's going to keep them in good shape. Um, I, I know people do this for their comic books. We have all of ours in plastic. So you treat them like a, you know, expensive piece of literature you're keeping because you're obviously keeping them for a reason. Um, for storage issues, I mean, I think Mallory has a really good point, but... If you're dying to keep all of these, we have these really cool milk crates, and you can fit a lot in there. So if you put them in plastic, they're not going to get fucked up, and then we just, like, store them in the milk crates, and they actually look fine. They don't look, like, super pretty, but they look fine. We got some from Ikea, like, these, like, really cute little um, blue bins. You've seen them in my house. They're Also, you can use them for records, So if you because we have a lot of records as well. Um, but You can put, like, a little Post-it on the story that you like, and that way it's super easy to find. That's true. I think that's true. I mean, if you aren't excited, I this is also just for, like, magazines that you're, like, just excited about keeping the full issue of, though. I think Mallory's right that, like, if you don't want the full magazine, I don't know why you need to keep it if you don't have, like, an attachment to that magazine. I'm mostly just giving you general storage ideas. Um... But yeah, I think I think what you said is a cooler is a cooler idea. If you Thank make you, that, man. guys, uh, if you make that, Zeev, let us know. Let us know. We want a copy. Yeah, that's a cool idea. That's a really cool idea. So if if you want us to solve your reader problem, send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us and helps us reach more readers. Reading Glasses is pleased to offer interactive transcripts of the show through Greta. Go to gretta dot com slash reading underscore glasses to read and turn your favorite reading glasses moments into clips that you can share out on social media. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast on Instagram at readingglassespodcast on Litzy at readingglasses. And you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag Reading Glasses Podcast. Thanks for listening. And And thanks thanks for for reading. Maybe when we can tell our stories, however bad they are, we don't belong to them anymore. They become ours. And maybe what growing up really means is knowing that you don't have to just be a character going whichever way the story says. It's knowing that you could be the author instead. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.